Chapter 18 The Wizard of Oi. What is going on here? McGuckin said with a voice of cold steel. His chronically bulging bloodshot eyes scanned the scene like a laser sight on a rifle, ready to lock on and obliterate any sign of resistance. The vice principal was not a pleasant man. Three of his gray teeth protruded past his lips when he spoke, and whenever he got excited, a pool of saliva gathered at the corners of his mouth, making a lecture from him doubly horrifying, as one was expected to endure the flecks of putrid spit landing on their face and chest. Ms. Winkle fumbled with the blue textbook. Ah, vice principal, we were just learning some sign language. So I've heard. As one, the class glared at Polly. She pretended not to notice. McGuckin strode to Tiago's desk. Nix shuddered. With his large mouth and super-long arms, he looked like a cross between a toad and an orangutan. Well, thank you for stopping by, Vice Principal, Ms. Winkle said. I think I can handle it from here. McGuckin ignored her. Even in personal conversations, the teachers called him Vice Principal, both because they were deathly afraid of him and because no one seemed to know his first name. Past students had tried every possible means to discover his name, even so far as sneaking into his office and rummaging through his files, but no one ever found what they were looking for. It had to be something ridiculous like Herkimer or Horace. Notwithstanding their curiosity, no one dared ask him about it, and by the murderous way he was glaring at Tiago, it was a wonder anyone could bring themselves to speak to him at all. Polly has informed me of our new special needs student he said, flecking spittle across the room. Tiago swallowed. Jordan crept behind McGuckin and sat soundlessly in his seat. Nix closed her eyes, unable to watch. Mr. Padilla, McGuckin said loudly, do you want to tell your teacher the truth, or shall I? I will, Tiago whispered. McGuckin landed a large hand on Tiago's shoulder. What was that? I will, Tiago said louder. Jordan spun around in mock astonishment. It's a miracle! Despite McGuckin's terrifying presence, the class exploded back into laughter. See, that's what I was trying to tell you, Polly said. Everything they said was a lie. Not everything, Jordan said. He is from Spain, and his mom says he really is hard of hearing sometimes. Tiago glanced at McGuckin, then at his friend. Shut up, Jordan. You shut up, Helen Keller. You were having as much fun as anyone before Watermelon had came back with the vice principal. Polly's face turned bright red. They've been pretending to sign the whole hour. We haven't even opened our books. McGuckin glared at Jordan. Is this true? Yes, vice principal, it's true. Her head is actually the size of a watermelon. The class went nuts. Jordan was feeding off the crowd now, and probably would have kept going had McGuckin not grabbed Tiago and Jordan by the collar and lifted them out of their seats. I'll be taking these miscreants to my office, he said, saliva flying all over Jordan's ear. They won't be back to class. McGuckin dragged them out the door. The class sat in stunned silence. So much for going over the plan. How did Jordan always end up making things worse? At least they'd have the rest of the day to figure out what they were going to do about Sarah and her stalker. But Jordan didn't show up to gym next period. There was no sign of him in English, either. Nix had all but given up hope when the door opened in fourth period. The computer teacher paused her lesson on spreadsheets to see who it was. Sorry, Susan. Do you mind if I borrow Phoenix whack for the rest of the hour? Mrs. Finkbone, the art teacher, stood in the doorway looking bored. 
Why would she need to see Nick's? And for the entire hour? Of course, Vanessa. Nix gathered her things and followed the tall woman to a picnic table outside the Central Administration Building. Thank you for seeing me, Phoenix. I hope you don't mind meeting out here. I can't stand the smell of my classroom. Mrs. Finkbone looked nothing like you might expect. Her dark gray business suit and tight bun made her look more like a military librarian than anything. The only sign she didn't completely abhor art was the flashy kitty necklace and earrings she seemingly never removed. Kids speculated that she was either too poor to afford any other jewelry or had an unhealthy obsession with cats. Nix would have to keep her away from her mother. You can call me Nix. Great, let's get this over with, shall we? Nix stared at the teacher. Was this some sort of impromptu art session? Um, what are we doing? By law, the school has to provide counseling, and apparently I'm the only faculty member who's ever taken a psychology class. Counseling? For what? Had one of the neighbors finally informed the school how messed up her family was? Mrs. Finkbone flipped through papers in a folder. Looks like your mother requested counseling for you right before summer break. Something about disturbing dreams? Nix put her head on the table. Last year, she'd made the mistake of telling her mother about a couple weird incidents. It's not a big deal, really. My mom overreacted. Well, I've got to write a report, so give me a little material to work with and we'll call it good. Nick sighed. The hot sun was already making her sweat. It wouldn't be long before her pit stains started growing. Okay, well, I guess I've had some trouble sleeping. How long's this been going on? I don't know, a couple years? Getting to sleep is never the problem, but sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night freezing cold and not be able to move. Mrs. Finkbone didn't appear particularly interested, but her pen was moving at an incredible speed. And the dreams? Oh, I don't know. They're not that bad, actually. Usually I'm flying or underwater or something. Your mother said you keep dreaming about a particular girl? Nix flushed. It had been hard enough to confess this to her mother. Now trying to explain it to a stranger was just plain awkward. I don't know who she is. Can you describe her? She looks kind of Asian or something. She's got dark hair like me, but she's even, well, she weighs more. Mrs. Finkbone raised her eyebrows. Nix felt the urge to hide under the table. What happens in the dream? Nothing really. I see her sleeping. So your mother felt that dreaming about sleeping fat people was grounds for psychological evaluation? I told you she overreacted. Mrs. Finkbone closed her notebook. Well, I think we made a lot of progress today. I can tell you enjoy these sessions as much as I do, so why don't we call you sane and get back to class? Sounds good. Nix pulled the moist fabric away from her underarms. Mrs. Finkbone escorted her back to the computer lab. Let me know if these dreams take a turn for the worse, she whispered as she opened the door. You know, if this Chinese person starts telling you to murder people. Nix was about to nod, but realized the teacher was kidding. Nix smiled. Thanks. What was that about Dumbo? A shaved-head boy asked as she sat down. Art lesson, Nix mumbled. She noticed Jordan was still nowhere to be seen. Where was that boy? If McGuckin had suspended him, it would not bode well for their after-school sleuthing club. Sergeant Frost would probably ship him off to some boot camp academy, and then who would help her catch Pillowhead? As soon as the lunch growl sounded, Nix scoured the cafeteria and asked around, but no one had seen Jordan since first period. Meanwhile, most of the school seemed to be talking about what had happened in Ms. Winkle's class, and while Leaf's nickname had wasted no time in circulating through the student body, so far no one had been brave enough to call him loath to his face. Nix debated skipping lunch. Eating alone in public was on her list of top ten things she hated most, right under cleaning cat puke. But as soon as Nix's stomach heard the decision, it put up such a noisy protest that she grudgingly plodded toward the cafeteria. 
The large tiled room amplified the sounds of five hundred students eating, laughing, and dropping silverware. Nick stepped through the door. One hand instinctively pushed her hair behind her ears while the other pulled her shirt straight. She always felt self-conscious in crowds, like everyone was watching and thinking, ugh, who let her in? She walked as gracefully as possible to the line where the hair-netted employees served hamburgers soaked in warm water. Nix thanked them as she received her tray. A sweet old lady with sideburns smiled widely. At the end of the line, the cashier sat on a tall stool next to a register. Nix got as close as possible and mumbled, I'm on the subsidized nutrition program. The Sabama what? The woman asked in a less than polite tone. Warmth spread to Nix's forehead. The free lunch program? I don't know anything about no free lunch program. You pay three fifty, or you don't eat. Nix immediately lost her appetite. She debated whether to explain that the government paid for her lunch because her family couldn't afford it, or to leave her tray next to the register and walk casually out of the room. You're holding up the line, the woman said. If you want, you can go down to the office and see what's going on, but no one told me about no free lunch programs. The heat from Nix's forehead had spread to her eyes and neck. She must look like she was breaking into hives. She looked at the line of students, most glared back. At nearby tables, a few kids tried to pretend they weren't watching. Nix fought back the burning in her eyes. She was not going to cry in front of the entire school. Is it okay if I just leave my tray here? What am I going to do with it? The cashier asked. You'll have to take it back to... Excuse me? An enormous shadow descended. Nix looked up to see Ms. Winkle's hair towering over them. Nix covered her eyes. Could this day get any better? If the psych evaluation and elitist lunch lady weren't enough, now Ms. Winkle was here to collect Jordan's accomplices. But instead of grabbing Nix by the arm and dragging her to the vice principal, Ms. Winkle leaned in close to the cashier. This is Nick's whack, she said softly. I can verify she's on the subsidized school lunch program, so you can just write her name down and let her eat lunch. They'll be getting their cards to them soon. I'm new, the lady said but they didn't say anything about, take her name to the office afterward, and they'll explain it to you. Okay, the cashier said warily, as if she still weren't sure this wasn't a con to steal a cold hamburger and a fruit jello square. What was her name? Nix quickly spelled her name. Some of the students in line had started eating where they stood, with very unsympathetic looks on their faces. Ms. Winkle motioned to a table nearby. Would you like to eat with me and a new student from Florida? Nix nodded and practically sprinted away from the food line. Ms. Winkle sat down next to a small girl with stringy red hair and a pair of large 80s sunglasses. Nix, this is Beryl Nelson. Hi, Nix said without looking at her. She couldn't think of any gracious way out of this, so she sat and began forcing room-temperature fries into her mouth. Nix appreciated what Ms. Winkle had done for her, but she'd almost prefer being embarrassed in front of the entire school to sitting next to the girl who got her fired for stealing. Beryl stopped eating long enough to mumble an awkward greeting, then looked back at her food. At least she wasn't in one of her moods. If anyone needed a psychological evaluation, it was this girl. Beryl was telling me her dad's a flight attendant, Ms. Winkle said. He gets to travel all over the world. She waved her burger like a baton. Strange. Ms. Winkle seemed like a completely different person out of the classroom. She appeared more relaxed and not quite so out of touch with reality. Nix noticed that without her old lady glasses, Ms. Winkle was actually sort of pretty. Surprising, because it looked like she might have taken makeup classes from Mrs. Wack. But that was where the comparison ended. Ms. Winkle was painfully skinny, like skin stretched over bone skinny. But she had a strong, cured nightly jaw that gave her face a glamorous look. 
I'm sure Beryl could use someone to show her around to her classes. Nix nodded, and with her eyes still on her plate, took a bite of the rubbery hamburger. Definitely should have skipped lunch. As the minutes ticked on, it became apparent that neither of the girls was going to confess their embittered history. So they simply ate, speaking only when Ms. Winkle asked a direct question. While Nix choked down her tasteless food, her animosity toward Beryl grew exponentially. Why did she have to go blabbing to Mr. Dibble about something that was none of her business? And why didn't she take off those stupid sunglasses? Even though she was only half finished with her food, Nix was relieved when the growl sounded, signaling the end of lunch. To Nix's surprise, it was Beryl who stood first. She dumped her trash in a nearby bin and rushed out of the cafeteria. Good. If Beryl was avoiding her, that would save Nix the trouble. Well, Nix, it was nice to meet you. Ms. Winkle stood and pulled her oversized orange purse from under the table. Nix noticed that some of her enthusiasm was gone, almost like she was turning back into the U.S. government teacher. Nix got to her feet and followed Ms. Winkle to the trash cans. Thanks, by the way, for that thing with the money lady. Ms. Winkle smiled. Nix followed her out of the cafeteria. For some reason, she felt the urge to keep talking to her, so Ms. Winkle knew how much it had meant to her. How did you know I was on the free lunch program? I heard you talking to the cashier. I really don't know a thing about it. But you told the lady. Jordan's not the only one who's quick on his feet, she said with a wink. Nix was horrified. Had she known the whole time that Jordan was faking? No, that was impossible. No teacher would have allowed that to go on for so long. Miss Winkle must have guessed what Nix was thinking. I feel awful for getting those boys into trouble, she said as if remembering a pleasant dream. We were having such a good time, though, don't you think? Nick struggled to keep up with the teacher's quick strides down the hall. She wasn't exactly sure what Ms. Winkle believed at this point. Maybe she was just crazy. Too bad Nix didn't get Mrs. Zerby's number. The two of them could have been great friends. Do you know Jordan pretty well? Ms. Winkle asked. You two seem to be exchanging looks. Okay, so the crazy lady was also observant. Way too observant to believe Jordan's crock of European sign language. It was time to come clean. Jordan's my best friend, Nick said. We were trying to sit together because we had some things to discuss. Well, it was by far the most creative first day prank I've had played on me. A pleasant surprise after having the class dumped on me at the last minute. Last minute? The VP told me this morning that I'd be taking a first period class. Now Nix was thoroughly confused. So you acting all clueless was for real? Yes and no. I find when you dumb it up a little, you get a better idea of the class's personality. More like what they'll be in three weeks when the honeymoon wears off. That way I can be prepared. Nix held the door open. You mean so you can see who the troublemakers are? Ms. Winkle waggled her eyebrows. So when did you know that Jordan was making everything up? I've been at this school for three years, and I've had enough of those pretty Padilla boys in my classes to know that none of them are hearing impaired. Outside the building, Ms. Winkle stopped again and turned to Nix. There's something I need to ask you, the teacher said in a completely different voice. Are you having trouble at home? How did this woman do it? Nick shrugged as if to say who doesn't. If someone has hurt you, she continued, there are people who can help. Nick stared at Ms. Winkle with a vacant expression. What on earth was she talking about? Maybe she really was crazy. Did your father do it? Ms. Winkle whispered, motioning toward her eye. Oh, no, this is makeup. Ms. Winkle straightened, wearing a skeptical expression. I promise. Nix jabbed a finger under her eye. See, it doesn't even hurt. I just need to avoid the waterproof mascara from now on. The wolverine growled. 
Well, that's a relief. You'd better get to class now, but if you need anything, let me know, okay? Nix nodded. I'm sorry about first period. I shouldn't have let them take advantage of you. I mean, even though you knew. It's all right, dear. It's a hard thing to stand up for something against a crowd. Polly did it, and look where it got her. I don't think she's made herself very popular. Nick spent the whole next period feeling guilty. She'd always looked at Polly Parker as a know-it-all kiss-up. But now Nix realized it must have taken a lot of courage to stand up to the class. Then again, Polly didn't have much to lose. Everybody already hated her. On her way out of history, Nick spotted Sarah sliding books into her locker. As usual, she looked ridiculously put together. Nix breaststroked through the crowded hall. Plan or not, she needed to make sure Sarah wasn't going to be alone tonight. Hey, Sarah, can I talk to you a sec? Sarah closed her locker and met Nix halfway. What's up? A doe-eyed Indian boy who'd been trying to get Sarah's attention looked extremely insulted to be trumped by a social reject. He left muttering something that sounded a lot like trailer trash. I had a question for you. This was the hardest part about being someone's self-appointed bodyguard, getting information without coming across as a total stalker. I was just wondering what time your dad gets home from his job. Depends on what he's working on, but he's usually home by eight. Why? Eight o'clock? Even if Sarah didn't get home until 4.30, the kidnapper would have a three-and-a-half-hour window every day. Sarah's purse began wrapping, and she pulled out her phone. After glancing at the display, Sarah scowled and stuffed the phone back into her purse. You can get that, Nick said. I don't mind. Sarah shook her head. It's some stupid guy. He called yesterday trying to freak me out. Trying to freak her out? Could it be Pillowhead? What did he say? Did you report it to the police? No, I'm sure he'll give up when I stop answering his calls. Probably, but just in case, someone will be keeping an eye on you while your dad's gone, right? For what? Sarah asked. If this is about another party, I don't think it's a good idea. My dad was furious about his flowers getting mashed. Mashed flowers? Oh yes, much more disturbing than a psycho in the house with his 16-year-old daughter. No, it's not that, Nick said. I thought if you were going to be home alone, you might like someone to keep you company. Like who? Me? Nick's realized how stupid she sounded, the troll begging the princess to take her in as a replacement pet. That's really nice of you, Sarah said, the surprise evident in her face. But I'm staying with my mom in Midland for a couple weeks. She's recovering from back surgery and needs me to help her around the house. Okay, but does she, like, leave you at home by yourself at all? No, she literally can't do anything without me, at least until she starts to feel better. Cool, but you should probably be really careful not to go anywhere by yourself and always stick to public places with a lot of... Sarah was looking at her like she'd just admitted to eating scabs. Just promise me, okay? Nick said, just in case. Fine, I promise. The big-eyed boy reappeared with renewed confidence. Hey, Sarah, can I walk you to class? Sarah nodded hesitantly and gave Nix an apologetic wave. The boy shot Nix a withering look and escorted Sarah away from the lockers. Nix barely noticed. She was too busy working out a plan for when Sarah returned home. It wouldn't be easy to get up to the Hainsworth mansion every day. Since the buses stopped halfway up the hill, everyone who lived above that had to find a ride to school. Could Nix and Jordan convince someone to shuttle them? Walking there and back would take the full three hours, and once there, would they hang out inside the mansion? Nix doubted Sarah would want them over every day, especially if she didn't think she was in danger. Algebra 2 class came with no sign of Tiago or Jordan. 
Chemistry, in addition to being Tiagoless, was made all the worse by Danny Fry sitting behind her whispering moronic questions about whether she had enjoyed her night in the hole and if she had eaten the dog. He was careful not to let anyone else overhear, but all the same, Nix's patience was wearing thin. After a particularly vile comment about how fat people were supposed to float, she'd had enough. Timing it just as Loaf looked away to tear a page out of his notebook, Nix twisted to face Danny. If you don't leave me alone, she whispered with all the menace she could manage, I'll go straight to the police and... Nix and Danny, Mr. Urbanek called loudly, please continue your little love affair on your own time. Not with this fat lard, Danny said loudly. Nix looked down at her chemistry book as if she suddenly found the table of elements extremely fascinating. She imagined the eyes of thirty students on her and felt the blood creeping from her neck up to her ears. Regardless of whichever fat large you're interested in, Mr. Urbanek said, please refrain from flirting while I'm teaching. A few students laughed and as the teacher resumed his lesson on the chemical composition of fire, both Danny and Nix seethed in their chairs. How could a teacher be so unfair? Mr. Urbanek basically called her a fat lard in front of the whole class. As the hour dragged on, Nix found little things to be annoyed about Mr. Urbanek, how his eyebrows had grown together to make a huge bushy black caterpillar, how his tiny arms jiggled as he wrote on the dry erase board, how he had to jump to reach the pull down the projector screen. Everything he did seemed to make Nix angrier. When the final menacing animal noise announced the end of the school day, Nix was the first one into the hall. Outside, a couple of freshmen jumped out of her way. Slow down, girl, one of them called after her. KFC doesn't close till nine. Nick scoured the parking lot, the buses, the halls of the south, west, and east buildings, and even checked the administration building. Jordan and Tiago were nowhere to be seen. Had they abandoned her? Was the triple friend deal already over? She watched the buses suck up the last few students off the sidewalk. Had Jordan decided he didn't want to walk with her? On her second lap around the circular office building, she noticed a crowd of people inside the glass auditorium doors to the north. That was the only building she hadn't checked yet. As soon as she smelled the fruity, flowery scent in the lobby, Nix dove behind a vending machine. Vaughn stood under a large, glittery poster, laughing in her low, throaty voice. Her entourage seemed larger than normal. I know, it's so weird, a giggly voice said. Are you even going to the audition, Vaughn? Nix leaned forward and peeked out at the gathering. Heidi was the one speaking while she twirled her shiny, multicolored hair. Maybe. My friend Brian would totally kill me if I didn't try out. He's been the lead for all his high school productions. Anyway, it's about time they had a musical with strong female lead. You'll totally get it, one of the other girls said. I don't know where I'll find the time, Fawn said lazily, as if being the center of attention was exhausting. As it is, I hardly ever see Tiago. She emphasized his name in case there were any within earshot that didn't know they were together. Apparently, she only called him Alfie to his face. Once the girls left, Nix examined the blue poster. WCHS presents The Wonderful Wizard of Oi, an undersea musical based on L. Frank Baum's classic. Cast slash crew auditions, Friday, September 3rd, lunch hour. Please come with a song prepared to perform. All auditions will take place in the auditorium. It was the next line that caught Nix's attention. Those cast must be able to attend three-hour practices every day after school. This was the answer. If Sarah got a part in the musical, she'd spend the prime kidnapping hours at school, surrounded by students and teachers. Even better, if Jordan and Nix happened to get parts, it would be the perfect excuse to keep an eye on her. They could protect her without resorting to creepy stalker techniques. The only thing left was to audition, and Nix couldn't imagine them denying Sarah Hainsworth a part. With a face like hers, it wouldn't matter what she had by way of talent. Besides, it was Woods Cross. It's not like they had a lot of students to choose from. 
It was worth it, a voice said in her ear. Nix whirled, ready to defend herself. Sheesh, she said. Don't sneak up on people. Jordan stood with his hands in his pockets. A full day's detention, and it was totally worth it. You were in detention that whole time? An idiotic grin refused to leave her face. Jordan hadn't abandoned her after all. McGuckin kept us in his office, staring at the wall. Didn't even let us have lunch, Jordan said with all the valor of a political prisoner. By the end of the day, Tiago was ready to pass out. I thought you might have gotten a ride home with his parents. They exited into the baking afternoon sun. He offered, but I'm in no rush to get home. I'm grounded this week, remember? Jordan held his arm out in escort fashion. I think a little hike is worth 45 more minutes of freedom. The walk home with Jordan was cathartic. They talked in depth about his stunt in first period and how it had already earned a place in school legend. Nix decided not to cheapen his victory by telling him Ms. Winkle was only playing along. But when Nix told him about the school musical, he didn't seem nearly as excited. I'll go watch you try out, but there's no way I'm going to get up on a stage and make a fool of myself. He ripped off a low branch to use as a walking stick. Nix gave him an incredulous look. Making a fool out of myself in class is completely different, he said with a grin. Besides, who wants to learn hundreds of lines anyway? Nix walked backward in front of him. Oh, so you think you'd get a main role? And anyway, learn lines? Like you wouldn't have the whole play memorized in one reading? Hey, leave my photogenic memory out of this. Nix decided not to push the issue. She'd let him get used to the idea first. If she had to, she might mention that Fawn would also be attending the auditions but only if she had to. So they spent the rest of the stroll discussing Jordan's plan for catching Sarah's stalker. It involved a survey distributed to 10th through 12th grade under the ruse of a yearbook questionnaire. Among other meaningless questions would be space to put their shoe size and whether or not they had a secret crush. Nix thought it unlikely the surveys would yield any results, but they really didn't have much to go on. And Jordan insisted it would be better to rule out all the students before they went around accusing adults. Besides, Jordan said, Repeated crank calls is hardly the sign of a professional kidnapper. Nix had almost forgotten about the kid that was bugging Sarah. We should get Sarah to talk to the guy, find out what he wants, and if we can track the number he's calling from. Nix didn't want to push her luck by visiting Jordan again during his imprisonment, so she spent the evening composing and printing the survey at the public library. It felt good to be doing something to catch the criminal, almost as if she were Wood's cross protector. Hopefully this time... Her attempt to help out wouldn't land her in an open grave.